Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, episode number 29. 29! I think we should start doing fun things for each number, but I don't really have anything for... Yeah, I don't even... What would we do for 29? Nothing happens at 29. You're just one year closer to 30. Oh, so fine. Episode number 29. Okay. I'm Nick, alongside Emily. Hello. Emily, how are you doing today? Caffeinated. Yes, we got a... I made a mistake over <laughs> the weekend, and... It Nick resulted. made a very sweet mistake. So I love coffee, and Nick was out of town, so he got a bag of coffee for me, and it was espresso grind, because he knows that I like... We, we have, like, the uh, K-Cafe, but you don't use espresso grind coffee in the K-Cafe, even though you can make, like, espresso shots in it with the K-Cups. So he bought me a bag of espresso grind coffee and brought it home, was very excited about it, and I told him... I don't have anything to cook this in, so I bought a uh, mocha pot, and if you don't know what that is, M-O-K-A, look it up, it's like a very traditional little stovetop espresso pot, and we just made ourselves a couple of coffees. So today we'll be continuing our journey week by week through the slow but inevitable downfall of WCW and reviewing the go-home show for Slamboree, the May 3rd, 1999 Nitro. Before we get into the show, I wanted to... Uh, <laughs> I wanted to just put off talking about the show because spoilers, this show was uh, was a bit rough. <laughs> yeah, Nick had a harder time with this episode than I did. So, a couple things are happening in the world of wrestling at this point in 1999. Mm. There's a couple things to maybe mention here. Around this time, Juventud Guerrera and Jerry Flynn were both arrested for DUI. Hoovy. Hoovy got a couple more tickets, including reckless driving and fleeing the police. Wait, didn't he do that on an episode of Nitro? No, it wasn't the police, but he was like running out of the parking garage when um, Eddie was injured. Yeah, he wasn't drunk though. No, but it, I just think of him fleeing and I just think of him running through that garage. That's two very different things. I think of Hooventude fleeing and that's what I see. Hooventude used Roar. It fled from battle. Stop referencing Pokemon. This is not a Pokemon podcast. Might as well be. Uh, Hoovy will not be suspended and he'll actually, like, wrestle this upcoming weekend. He didn't get suspended? Nope. Oh, interesting. On the previous Thursday to this, to Counter Thunder, was a WWF, like, Thursday special called SmackDown. <laughs> what? It was the pilot of SmackDown. They called it a special? This was them testing the waters to see if they could do a second show. And it was, yeah, it was just like a one-off special. And I feel like... This is a good spot as any to talk about this because we've kind of been ignoring the ratings for the last couple episodes by accident. So I, I forgot to write down the number for the April 19th Nitro, but I want to say it was like a 4-0 or a 4-1. Okay. The 26th did a 3-9, and then tonight's show will do a 3-4. And the reason I feel the need to mention that, the SmackDown pilot did a 4-0. Oh, okay. The April 19th Nitro doing above a 4 is the last time that will happen when the shows are head-to-head. Yeah, I believe that. It'll hit a four two more times, but it'll be when Raw isn't on its normal time slot because of the U.S. Open. Interesting. But it'll literally happen twice, and then it doesn't happen again. Damn. Speaking of not in its normal time slot, uh, there's not a Nitro next week after the pay-per-view. Yeah, you told me there's no Nitro and there's no Thunder? Yep. Saturday night will be in its its normal spot, but... You said it was like the NBA playoffs or something? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're on TNT, so that makes sense. But out of curiosity, I'll just have you take a guess here. Last week, Raw did a 6. This week that we're reviewing, Raw did a 6.4. What will Raw do when unopposed? 7.5. 8.1. Shit. Yep. It doesn't even seem to be a huge, remarkable show either. It's just like... It's okay. just better. <laughs> 
It's just a better product. It's not Buff Bagwell. And he won't appear on this show, but on the Thunder after this, Canyon will uh, return. Oh, better Canyon. Really no fanfare to it. He's like, I'm back from filming a movie. What movie was he filming? Some Jesse Ventura TV movie kind oh, of thing. Okay. I know there's no relation, but whenever you say Jesse Ventura, my brain goes to Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Yes, it's not. There's definitely no relation because one's a real person and one's a character. Yeah, I know. But whenever you say Jesse Ventura, I think of Ace Ventura, the Pet Detective. I will close out this segment with uh, a little tease for later in the show because I feel like we're going to need a morale boost later. WCW has recently introduced a Nitro Cologne. Oh, no. On David Letterman, they did a you know top 10 list yeah. of like joke taglines for the show. And uh, when we need a morale boost later, I have that list and we'll yes. read through it. Do you think we can find a cologne online? It's probably poison at this point. I still want to smell it. I don't know it. how long cologne... Well, <laughs> I know perfume lasts a long time. <laughs> I thought they did it before this, but I know one of these shows, they will spray it around Bobby Heenan and he goes, oh, that smells terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> Ugh. Why cologne? Why, who? Okay, never mind. WWF will do it at some point too, apparently. Why? Who... Who wants to smell like a sweaty wrestler? I don't know. Ew. Okay, continue. We should probably start the episode. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, let's get to it. We are live from Charlotte, North Carolina. Apparently, the arena has a capacity of of about 18,000 people. Okay. How many people do you think were there? Definitely not sold out. So I'm going to say 15? (gasps) 9,700. Oh. How many of them paid? Oh, no. Four? Six thousand. Okay, so okay. better than that. But still, that's pretty much a third of your audience not, not paying. paying to get in. What the fuck? And they're in Ric Flair's hometown. Yeah, this, this used should to have be been huge. instant sellout. Whoa. They just consistently make Ric Flair look like a joke when they he, go there. I and, mean, he is a joke. I mean. In this episode in particular, he's absolutely a joke. Yeah. We start with Ric Flair arriving in a limo. With Double A and the Jack Nurse from the previous episode, who I'm ashamed I didn't recognize. She is known as Double D here. I don't know how long that will uh, keep up. Double D is more known for the name she eventually goes on to adapt on WCW television. I was debating whether or not to tell you, because it'll be a great reveal when it happens. I think that you'll basically relive this moment when we get there. So this is a huge jacked woman. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're going to call her eventually? She-Hulk? I don't know, or, or something along, to, along the lines of like what they do with China? Her name will be Asia. Ah. Because Asia is even bigger than, than China. China. Oh, you've told me this before. Oh. <sighs> See, shame on me. I thought they were going to get a large buff Asian woman for that. I did not expect. Then again, I guess China's not Chinese either, so. No. <laughs> yeah, so she doesn't do much here, but I know... She'll stick around. I don't know why. But that group is not traveling alone. In the like bus next to them mm-hmm. are all of the patients from the mental hospital. Because this is a good idea. Well, do you know why they got out according to the kayfabe? No. And they actually say it. Aaron just came and got them and like bailed them out. Well, he said that he got Rick. I didn't think he got all the patients. Well, I'm, but still, like that's how Rick got out. Just Aaron came to collect them and that was it. And he got all of them? But even ignore everyone else. Why didn't Arn do that two weeks ago? Or, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not so confused by Arn's, you know, timeliness. I'm more confused by, like, 
imagine going to the hospital like your parent is or somebody is sick in the hospital and you're like going to the nurse's station be like yeah i'd like to discharge my father and they're like okay here he is and here's the whole floor discharge my father just sounds like a gross statement listen (laughs) you were also losing your mind a little bit and were convinced something was going to happen yeah on the bus they cut to somebody and that's very relative they cut to someone's shoulder. So they don't really cut. They kind of pan. So you, they pan over they're, to someone's shoulder. They're doing a whole pan or a whole shot of the bus. And everyone's, all the patients are like having a riled up time. And then they start going, ooh. And then the camera just kind of pans to the front of the bus until they get to somebody. Like It looks like they're the driver. I don't know. I can't tell. But it's somebody's shoulder and you just see black curls. So you see the curl, the hair, and then the ooh. I'm like, that, that's Scott Hall. Yeah. That's 100% Scott Hall. I was really thinking it was going to be another warrior shows up for a random run-in type thing where I'm like, oh, he does this one random thing, but it's never brought up again. Nope. They, we, that's not Scott Hall, and we do not see Scott Hall tonight except in a video package. Except, yeah, we see him in a recap, which makes me think, like, between this shot and the recap, I'm like, oh, Scott Hall's absolutely coming back tonight. Yeah, because actually the package is next. They go from that to, to the back- recapping the previous Nitro, any and they normal, show Scott Hall. Any normal consumer of television in general, when I, like, I think when we were watching Game of Thrones, this is a good tie-in, when we watched Game of Thrones, Nick never watched the previously on Game of Thrones because he didn't want the episode spoiled because he was convinced, rightfully so, that whatever is shown or whatever plot point is shown in the recap is a spoiler for what's going to happen in the episode. So to me, showing Scott Hall in the recap and showing him very briefly in the beginning, Scott Hall's coming back. Yeah, it's like, ooh, why is Benjamin Stark, who we haven't seen since season one, randomly in the, hey, remember this? Yeah, that was weird anyway. Like, what? <laughs> and, uh... Sorry if I spoiled Game of Thrones for you there. Where, wherever you're currently watching, stop. <laughs> Just trust me, you'll feel better. So we go from that to the Nitro opening. Uh, and then we... I think I knew this was going to be a dark-sided episode out of that. Because then we go to Ricky Rackman is back. I hate Ricky Rackman. He asked the crowd if Ric Flair is crazy... And by the crowd, he asked, like, a dad and his son. He has, and... like, a five-year-old boy. Is Mick, is Ric Flair crazy? Yeah. Dude, no, that kid, you need to give that, like, 20 seconds of pause oh, yeah. before you answer. Because that kid was like, oh, God, uh, yes. It's like, put the poor kid on the spot more, Ricky. Jeez. He then sets up the Nitro Girls to do their thing. And I wasn't sure if we had seen this routine before. I'm trying to actually mildly pay attention during these bits now as opposed to just, like, collecting my notes <laughs> because their end spot is one of their like padded end spots of like grabbing the top rope and then, like and doing back. like a sway and a lean yeah. yeah i mean they were all in their best britney spears oops i did it again cosplay and they were looking great and it's not an episode not an outfit i'd seen before so it leads me to believe that it was a new dance i'm pretty sure fucking kevin nash has worn this outfit before basically with the the, the long red singlet and pants i was like oh. oh my god what if kevin nash is a britney spears fan I guess I gotta look up when that video came out, because that was a moment in time. I thought that might have been like 2000. So what you're saying is Britney Spears stole from WCW. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Sorry, Britney Spears' father stole from WCW. Hashtag free Britney. I thought we were supposed to leave her alone. That's so 2008. <laughs> that's so 3000 and late. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can you tell we don't... How fucking far right are we? Not... <laughs> 
<gasps> she did steal from Nitro. The song came out in May of 2000. Wow. Tony then plugs NitroGirls.com. And uh, we'll get a creepier plug for that later in the night. Which I did a little bit of research. Oh. NitroGirls.com is available for sale. What's the budget for this podcast? Not that much. Can we buy NitroGirls.com? Let's start a Patreon. And with literally whatever money we make from the Patreon, we are putting into NitroGirls.com. I'll put it this way. If you hear this and we haven't purchased it, we have no intention of purchasing it. We'll figure it out. We go from this to a lengthy Ric Flair versus Roddy Piper video package. Their video packages are getting a little out of control. To the point where on Thunder, mm-hmm. the last 12 minutes of the show were literally just video packages setting up for the pay-per-view. Do you remember when we were begging for video packages? I know. Well, they're not... The issue is... These are, like, only barely video packages. They're, like, playing, like, the clips in full. It's, like, edit. Yeah. No, you're right. But we were desperate for some kind of a video recap not long ago. I know. Be careful what you wish for. Seriously. The overall message of this Flair and Piper recap is absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yes. I think that was, like, even in the text of, like, on the text on the screen. That That is the message they're hammering home. Yeah, they do get pretty lazy during this show with the text on the screen during video packages. There's a Goldberg one upcoming. They pretty much just take the equivalent of his Wikipedia article and just overlay (laughs) it in different, like, orientations so you don't notice what it actually is saying. But I'm like, this is the same thing every time. Yeah. We go from that to Ricky Rackman again, introducing Jerry Nader. I'm pretty sure it's Jerry Nadeau because it is NASCAR. Nader. I'm pretty sure it's Jerry Nadeau. Anyway, yeah, he is a WCW Cup driver, and I'm like, there's no WCW Cup, but go on. He apparently finished in eighth at Talladega, got as high as third place, which I don't know enough about NASCAR to know how impressive that is. No clue. So it's some upcoming race, which they called the Winston Cup and the Firecracker. They're going to put Goldberg's face on the WCW car, which I think we actually got tagged in... uh, on our Facebook page a little while ago, listener uh, Daniel Croxton, who helped us out in our most recent episode, uploading it properly. Or <laughs> the episode before that, where I accidentally uploaded the wrong file. Yeah, he uh, he called us out a little bit, but like in a good way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he tagged us in somebody like, be like, remember this this car? And I'm like, Jesus. I thought this was before that, but I would have guessed 98. But, but no, I looked it up. money everywhere. I looked it up. This is a Daytona race in 1999. For NASCAR. <laughs> and, like, the car's not that impressive looking. It doesn't look like a NASCAR car, you know? It just kind of looks like a Ford. It's it's a gold Ford, and it has, like, you know, the classic, you know, ads all around the side of it. And it does. It does have Goldberg's face on the hood. We wonder why this company fell apart. It was getting bad ratings and throwing all of its money at stupid stuff. To be like, fa- cars. Well, to, to be fair, WWF, during a even less financially successful period, was also throwing its money into NASCAR. Really? Yeah. Or I, it may have been like the minor leagues of it, but there was a character who was either a NASCAR driver or like pit crew. And I, and I think hmm. the wrestler actually did a couple of the races and, you know, the, Vince paid for the car and was doing a bunch of stuff with that. Oh, that's kind of cool. The uh, character's name was Sparky Plug. And then was Thurm- then was Thurman Plug. You know who this is. I, I mean, do. Who is it, Emily? <laughs> Don't just keep going. Say it. This character would go on to be 
one Mr. Bob Holly. Yes. <laughs> AKA Hardcore Holly. I wanted to say it was Crash Holly, and I was like, that no. almost Thur- sounds Thurman. right. Sparky plug. <laughs> oh my god, I love it so much. So Ricky Rackman asks driver Jerry Nadal. I'm I'm going with Nadal. I don't care. We're never <laughs> gonna care. see him again. <laughs> It's like, oh, you meet a bunch of wrestlers? Like, yeah, you know, I met Hogan, Macho Man, and uh, Disco Inferno was there with us last weekend. I'm like, I believe one of those. (laughs) But so Ricky Rackman also focuses on one of those. Oh, yeah. I said real wrestlers. And I'm like, sir, no, you didn't. (laughs) You just said wrestlers. You said wrestlers. But I'm like, bullshit, you met Hogan and Savage. Not even in like a, I think he's trying to brag. Like, I think he's trying to make the company look good. And I'm like, yeah, they didn't come fucking meet you. Or no. if you or like, you know, they they shook your hand and then went, all right, let's fucking go get a beer. Without you. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky then closes the segment by throwing to his wicked stepfather, Tony Schiavone. <laughs> we didn't get our first match of the night, mercifully. It is the mercifully? Arm- <laughs> it is the Armstrongs versus Rey Mysterio Jr. and Kidman, current tag team champions. Okay, you're right. I guess this was merciful. I, this was a good match. Yeah, this was like, based on how much you like the Armstrongs lately, this match was like made for you. It was. This was a pretty fun match for me. Until the end. As the Armstrongs were coming out, commentary notes, apparently the Armstrong curse has ended. Storyline so good, they never mentioned it until it was, it was over. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to ask you, what was the curse? It's just that they lost matches. And they literally, like, they didn't mention it at all last week. Okay. Or the week before. And I'm like, man, the story must be really good that you don't mention it until we're, you're done with it. Jeez. Rey Mysterio comes out rocking a FUBU jersey. Fucking Shark Tank crossover here. I don't know any of the words you just said. You never heard FUBU? of FUBU? Yeah. What is FUBU? It's like a clothing brand. Yeah. One of the sharks on Shark Tank is the founder of FUBU. You mean Shark Tank like... The show. The television oh. show. I didn't know you ever watched that show. However, this FUBU jersey is very, very bright yellow and white, which prompted me to ask, Who's that Pokemon? Emily, what do you got? Zapdos. Zapdos. Okay. Not the one I went with. Hmm. What'd you got? I went with Hypno. Zapdos has too much going on in terms of colors. This was literally just bright yellow and white. And then I also noted that um, this would be a wild hypno because Ray is rocking camouflage pants, so it's oh. it's it's in the high grass. So he's camouflaged. <laughs> also, it has to be a Gen One Pokemon because this jersey is so fucking nineties that it's like, all right, you can only do the original ones. I do see what you mean with um, Zapdos. Yeah, I do think you win this one. I didn't think about it too hard for too long because it was just like my two thoughts were Pikachu and Zapdos, and I said Pikachu to you, and you're like, nah. I was like, okay, well, I'll go with option number two. I didn't really do research. I was just going off the top of my head. Either way, let's actually get into the match, because the Armstrongs actually managed to get, like, really good heat during this match. It was weird. It, it was wild, but, like, they I think they deserve it. I mean, it was a really good match to me. Oh, I'm saying, like, early on, it's like, wow, these guys fucking hate the Armstrongs. They barely went on TV. And Jesus Christ, Kidman is wet during this match. <laughs> yeah, he is. He, he gets tossed to the outside at one point and, you know, lands on the mat. And there's just a puddle where he landed. I'm like, geez. Kidman gets mildly worked over and then hits Stratisfaction and then gets a hot tag to Ray. It's not called Stratisfaction yet. I'm not doing the... I'm, Do it. It's not called Stratisfaction. <laughs> no. Do not disrespect her. She hasn't named it yet. Kidman hits Kidman Faction and then gets a hot tag to Ray. 
The four men brawl inside the ring, and Kidman hits a spine buster and goes for the pin despite not being the legal man. Yes. It was like 10 seconds after the hot tag. It's like, pay attention. Steve Armstrong then tries to hit a powerbomb on Kidman. Tragic mistake. <laughs> How dare you? How do you even think that you can do that? If you say powerbomb to a mirror three times, Billy Kidman will come to your house and hit you with a face buster. <laughs> Ooh, promise? I gotta go to the bathroom real quick, guys. Kidman vaults Ray into a top rope Hurricane Rana on Steve and gets the pin. This was a fine match. Um, it's probably match of the night. Oh, it's my match of the night for sure. <laughs> I still don't have an MVP. I was thinking about this all day. But... Well, I mean, that's the perk of best bit is that it doesn't have to be a match. Because I don't even know what I'm giving my best bit to at this point. But yeah, this was a fine match. Uh, we get some antics after the match. Of the horsemen come down and beat down the champions until Raven and Saturn make the save. I'm, I'm so getting, annoyed by this storyline. Yeah, I'm getting real tired of Kidman and Ray looking like fucking idiots. Yeah. Because they go to help up Kidman and Ray, and then there's like, oh, wait, why you fucking touch me, bro? What? And then they, then they push him, and then they brawl. And then, just like last week, the horsemen then come back down to the ring and beat up everybody. So do you think this is leading up to, like, a four-way tag match? So it won't be a four-way. I mean, the Armstrongs lost this. I mean, I guess they beat Raven last week, but the uh, three-team match has been booked for a couple weeks at this point, and they mention a bunch. But, I mean, we kind of thought we were almost going to get it last month, so... Mm. I wish they would just... I wish they would do more with the the build-up to that three-way match, more than just, like, one of them is going to have a match and the other two teams are going to come in and interfere. Well, even that, it's been, like, the same results yeah. to this each week. Like, I feel like they went, oh, crap, what do we do? Uh, copy and paste. Also, can you tell me why um, why Dean Malenko always looks like he has come straight to the ring from his office job as, like, an insurance salesman? I, I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> Every time he comes down, he's in, like, a polo shirt and khakis. I'm like, bud, you knew you were going to be wrestling, right? Were you late? Did you, did you stay late at the office? So we go from this to a Goldberg hype package, the one I mentioned earlier with the Wikipedia article overlaying. Yeah. I, I did question having this. Do you need to hype up Goldberg? It seemed kind of out of place. Do this for somebody in the mid-card who needs a little something. The only reasoning I can think of for that is I was thinking maybe like a caught after commercial or something and you come back and you see a Goldberg ad. You're like, oh, I like him watching. Yeah. They're not going to do that for fucking Raven. I mean, Raven could use it more than... He could use it, absolutely, yeah. but they're not going to hype up a guy that they're not hyping up on television. Yeah. You know? Although, I, I guess I, the question I'm asking is, why isn't WCW trying to build new stars? And But that's just an existential question that is basically why the company dies. <laughs> and, um, oh, God. Our second match of the night... Emily, what's the match we're going to get here? Our next match is Buff Bagwell versus our favorite, Ernest the Cat Miller with Sonny Ono. We have been waiting to talk about Sonny Ono for For so long. Like five episodes. (laughs) And honestly, it's not even that great a story. It's literally we were watching that like WWE's like hidden treasures kind of show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... It's the Andre the Giant episode, and they're trying to collect all this stuff and like memorabilia of his. And they're like, "Oh, Sonny Ono has this," and they show up to like, "Oh, hey, can we buy this off you?" And Sonny was like, "Actually, it's now an auction. 
So do you have no fucking heel turns during this random reality show? Yeah, you want me to put this in the hands of, you know, prominent wrestlers to put it in wrestling history for the rest of time? No, fuck you. I'm going to make thousands more dollars and sell it to some random fan. Yeah. <laughs> but he came up like such a fucking scumbag. He really did. Of like... <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to sell this to you. I'm going to put it up for auction. Then you need to bid a bunch. And yeah, I, I'm going to make remember, you bid. I don't remember what it, it was. Some, I mean, it was some Andre you know, memorabilia, was... but I don't remember exactly, exactly what it was. But yeah, that's our Sonny Ono story. I was not expecting to see Ernest Miller ever again, honestly. He does. Okay, we're going to see a lot of him. Oh, goody. He does seem to be doing more dancing when he comes out here. Good. We love a dance gimmick. And do you remember the, the other week when I was like, you know, I didn't hate Buff as much during that week. <laughs> yeah. I take that back. Yeah. <laughs> he seemed extra obnoxious this week and I don't know why. He does have a new theme, which has lyrics, but the main one just seems to be going to Buff Daddy. <laughs> so you said that Ernest Miller seems to be doing more dancing? Yes. As he was coming down to the ring for his th- during his entrance, he stopped in front of the audience at one point in front of one of the um, the barricades. And, like, points to his feet and looks down at his feet and tries to do some little, like, shuffle move or something. He's very much trying to do some kind of a footwork move. But if you actually look at his feet during that, he's not doing anything. (laughs) So that really made me giggle. Yeah, that's all I got. I have a lot of uh, fun facts about Ernest, if you're interested. Did he go to jail? No, he didn't. Did he save Christmas? No. Like you're missing my joke here. No. You ever heard of the Ernest movie series with uh, Jim Varney? Can't say I have. You old man trapped in a 20-something's body. <laughs> I want to say these like 80s movies. Would you like the fun facts now or would you like them later? I'll take them now. By the way, you know Jim Varney as the voice of Slinky in Toy Story. Oh, okay. So, fun Ernest fact. the camp. <laughs> so, fun fact number Sorry, one no. about Ernest, about Ernest Miller. I wanted to look up like what he's doing now. So that took me to his Wikipedia article and yada yada. Something that I thought was interesting. He had something to say about a little uh, buddy of ours, Mr. Brodus Clay. Oh yeah, because they have the same theme. They have the same song and apparently catchphrase. Apparently Brodus well, Clay took... Okay, when when your catchphrase is literally the lyrics to your yes. song, it's not stolen at that yeah. point. But he said in 2012 of Brodus Clay taking his song... He says, and I quote, many fans have said he's not as good as me and it made me popular without being on the show. It's a little more than dancing. I was an athlete. I could wrestle. Yeah? Yeah, Yeah, bud? Yeah, I'll say, I will say Ernest Miller is better than Brodus Clay. But would you say he's a wrestler? I mean, to my knowledge, Ernest Miller has never been fired off of a show on the Fox Family and Networks for sexually harassing their co-worker. Oh, We'll talk about that later. I didn't know about that. Yeah, Brodus Clay did. Oh, oh, I didn't know about that. I haven't done my research on Brodus. <laughs> well, yeah, he's like I a, researched Ernest. Spoilers: Brodus Clay will not show up in WCW. Well, yeah, no shit. This is 2012. Okay, another fun fact I learned about Ernest Miller that honestly, this one distressed me. Did you know that he was in the movie The Wrestler? I mean, a lot of people are a lot of like indie wrestlers from that. Who he was the Ayatollah. Oh, shit. In the wrestler. <laughs> it's funny. I, I can literally, like, listen to his lines in my head and go, oh, shit, that is Ernest Miller. This is a critically acclaimed movie, and the fucking, the cat was in this movie as a major character. I'm like, which, which Jesus, j- just in, like, a, you know, a middle-aged way, it's like, man, Ernest Miller kind of let himself go a bit. Yeah, like, go Google, like, his 
then and now sort of pictures. Like, Google him as the Ayatollah. Think about that versus what he looks like in, two, in 1999. Yeah. Yikes. Well, I mean, I, yikes is relative. It, I mean, no, he just, he got I mean, older. Yeah, it, yeah, he got older and he's not, to my knowledge, he's not wrestling. So it's like, yeah. No. The last fact I have about what is about what he's doing in 2021. Literally 2021. This is from this year. Okay. Today, Ernest Miller enjoys passing on his knowledge of the martial arts to young students. He's also a motivational speaker and a stage actor. Okay. There was a fun little picture of him on the WWE Network website in like a cape. Okay. It was fun. But those are my fun facts about Ernest the Cat Miller. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. So Miller grabs the mic pre-match. And um, can we just note how generic sit down and shut up is for Heel Heat? Followed by, he literally goes, be quiet. It's like... It's... The worst heel promo that you could possibly consider. Like, you have nothing else? Shut up. I also wanted to make a joke about Buff Bagwell's bangs, but the only thing I came up with makes it sound like I'm complimenting him, which is Buff Bangswell. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, he was a gigolo. I guess he does. Oh, no. (laughs) Buff Bangswell. Miller then tells Buff that his hands are registered as weapons, which made me just think of the uh, scene from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But my hands are registered as lethal weapons. That means we get into a fight, I accidentally kill you, I go to jail. Anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. Oh my god, the cat said a couple of times, twice I think, in this promo, I'm gonna give you five seconds. He just says, I'm going to give you five no, seconds. That was ten seconds. Five. Yeah, because he, he he counts to four and then turns his back and Buff just kind of flexes at him. So Miller <laughs> turns around and just kicks him in the face. And I'm like, you know what? Good. I mean, yeah. But it's just like, I'm going to give you five seconds. Until what? What are you going to do in five seconds? What's the threat? Finish the threat, dude. So the match starts and Miller goes to the outside pretty quickly. And he goes up to the barricade and just taunts this seemingly uninterested woman. Oh, yeah. I forgot about her. I, I think I looked down when I was as they were taunting, but I looked up and he was like, Well, he like goes her. back to her, too. And I'm like, dude, she's not into it. Move she's on. She's just not that into you. So he finally goes back inside and they just like stop wrestling for a minute or two. They just kind of like stare each other down. And I'm like. I don't even think Jeez. they're into the match. Well, I, I remember as well because I watched the first hour of this without you and then you watched it later. And I was like, oh, yeah, I stopped after this match. And Emily comes to me. He's like, wait, how much did you watch? I'm like, about the first hour. She goes, I'm 20 minutes in. I'm like, yep. And that's when you realized you were in, you were in for the long haul. Yeah, this match went significantly longer than I realized. We get a rest hold from Buff bending Ernest Miller's arm the way it's supposed to go. Oh, devastating. They then brawl on the outside again. You know the spot where the count kind of gets high, somebody rolls in the ring and then rolls back out because they want to keep fighting? Yeah. Ernest Miller does that at, at a count of one. <laughs> swinging neck breaker from buff and hopefully things will start happening he then goes for a sunset flip and we get an aloha miller aloha cat it's denied at first with a punch but then buff manages to actually get him down and then i wrote jesus this is going for a while we then get buff starting his comeback which is so unique that it has punches um a scoop slam and a clothesline wow never seen those combination of moves from him before it's amazing then we get the finish of the match miller holds up buff bagwell for a sunny ono kick who just like suddenly gets in the ring but it's the one thing they didn't want to happen as buff moves out of the way and sunny ono kicks ernest miller 
Buff then hits a Brett's Road blockbuster for the win. And then Ernest chases Sonny Ono out of the ring. And chases like, him frantically... too fast because he clearly... Yeah, he catches up. <laughs> Thoughts on the match as a whole? Lame. Bad. Yeah. This was not a, not a good match. And Buff Bagwell is facing Scott Steiner on Sunday. This doesn't make Buff look strong. Moving on, we go from that to WCW Bash and Brawlers commercial. It's these, you know, dolls you can just beat up, and I kind of want to find a Kevin Nash one for you to beat up. That is nightmare fuel. That well, doll in particular, disgusting. Well, they literally talk about how, like, oh, my nose. Like, they literally talk about, like, how you're hurting them. Oh, I know. I kind of love it. I do want one. Cut a, cut a promo on them. Ow, my feelings. <laughs> I did kind of lose my mind at the next commercial segment that we got right after the Bash and Brawlers. Oh, the Macho Man Slim Jim. Never do Slim Jim. Yeah. Before I even knew what a wrestle was, before I knew what a macho man was, that commercial played in my household. And my dad loves Slim Jims. To this day, we buy Slim Jims in my parents' house. And with that, that is the first hour of Nitro. Start of the second hour, we get Ric Flair arriving at the arena in a full stretch limo, and the mental ward arrives with him. He comes to the ring with Arn Anderson, J.J. Dillon, Double D, and Charles Robinson. Well, you're you're bypassing him just randomly firing stagehands on his way to the ring. Oh. There were just like a, a group of guys by what I'm assuming is like the catering table that he walks by. He's like, you, you're fired. You're fired. And you can kind of see them as they're walking past him. The guy just in the back like, me? Me fired? They get to the ring and we kind of get it. And shortly thereafter, Gene asks Ric Flair, are we going to keep our clothes on tonight? <laughs> Gene's starting to get a little sassy with Flair. Gene's getting a little too big for his britches, if I'm honest. You've been saying that since we started I this don't stuff. like him being a character in that regard. So Flair wants to know where Savage, Gorgeous George, Goldberg, and Sting are. And Gene's like, all right, let's fucking take this shit one at a time, okay? <laughs> let's try to focus this promo here, Rick. Come on. So Flair says that Savage isn't reinstated and then calls out Savage, but Gene's just like, forget about him. Yeah, Mean Gene is literally like, forget about Savage. Who else? Jeez, okay. It's like, we're doing that shit later. We're going to do it now. Forget about him. I don't want to talk about him. Flair then books himself versus DDP tonight for the title. And this is where I think I just need to play a bit of this Ric Flair promo. Because it goes so random and off the rails that I don't think I can do it justice on my own. <sighs> Oh, the hot rod right now, Roddy Piper, is home somewhere on a mountaintop in Beaverton, Oregon, thanking the good Lord that the nature boy was temporarily incarcerated. Piper, get it straight. I'll be naked if I want to be. I'll be the president if I want to be. I'll ride up that mountain and make love to your old lady if I want to. You know why? Because I'm Ric Flair. Woo! And you're not. All right, that's going to be for the control of WCW. Ric Flair, I don't want you to go away. We're going to take a quick break. We're just getting started. Don't go to a break. I'll be naked again. Don't go to a break. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. We'll be right back. You can't take no. But before we go to commercial, we cut to Randy Savage and company like leaving the dressing room. Like, all right, we're going to go out there. Back in commercial, Team Madness comes out. Although only Randy 
comes through the entrance ramp. Everybody else comes from like the side. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't get that one. And the delay on all the ladies. Yeah, he has to wave them for like 30 seconds. Yeah. There's a little more to the ladies today. His, okay, can we talk about Randy Savage's shirt though? I, I, I loved that shirt. It I, was like understated but loud. I was a little distracted. I, yeah? What were you distracted by, Nick? What's more distracting than Randy Savage's sparkly shirt? You know, I had to take notes. And... Oh, sure, 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 sure. What color were the uh, ladies wearing? Multiple. Pick one of them. Red. Good. Good job. I'm impressed. I think uh, Molly Holly's dress was blue again. Yes. Wow, you paid more attention than I thought. Yeah. Um. Why don't you talk about what I'm what I'm talking about? So Randy Savage comes down to the ring with three ladies in tow. He's got um, Mrs. Madness, our girl Molly Holly, in her ball gown and her sash. She looks lovely. And two ladies that are basically in dominatrix outfits, Medusa and Gorgeous George. You didn't even recognize George I, at first. No, she was... She didn't look like George. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't put it together, but in my head, she didn't look like George. But I say they're in like kind of dominatrixy outfits because they both come down in skin tight leather, very breast enhancing tops. If you can even call what George is wearing as a top, yeah. it's a bra. And I'm not one to be like prudish. Like if you got them, flaunt them. Like they're beautiful. She looked fantastic. Like her physique, amazing. But that bra just looked uncomfortable. Like it looked two sizes too small just to hoist them up. You know. I was told before the show that she, that's not allowed to be my, my best bits. No, and I stand by that. Gorgeous George's tits cannot be your best bits. Savage gets booed coming out because they're in Charlotte. <laughs> Ric Flair then fires Randy Savage and tells the cops to get everyone besides George. Savage tries to fight them off, but eventually the numbers game kind of gets to them. And when he says he wants everybody but George arrested... Ric Flair just kind of grabs George by the waist and kidnaps her, essentially? I don't know. Well, here's the thing. He does that, and then George just kind of stands behind him with no one restraining her, and just like, like, as Savage is getting, like, like, carried out, it's like, well, I guess I'll just stand here. I was told that I was with them now. I guess I will just stay over here now. We then get Ric Flair turning on Gene a bit. Like, he snaps at him, and I'm like, Rick! Richard! (laughs) Richard Flarrington! Just Fleer. Richard Fleer. Charles Robinson talks some shit to Gorgeous George, so oh, she just clocks him. And can, then... we, can we say the line that Charles Robinson says, though? I did not write it down. I wrote it down. What's the line? And I quote, I'm going to buy you a pack of gum because a bimbo can't chew gum and walk at the same time. Did he say walk or wrestle? Walk. Okay. He said walk. <laughs> so she clocks Robinson and then... Rightfully so. Double D chokes her and... It's never shown, and I don't think even the crowd sees it, but we're pretty sure Gorgeous George's titty pops out. Because you can see her top, like, from the back adjust quite a bit, and she's kind of, like, trying to cover up, and then Gene takes off his jacket and, like, wraps her in it, and is like, fix your fucking boob. Yeah, he's he's making the gesture to her, to, like, if he were to have breasts, like, he did the, like, bandeau sort of movement across his chest as she's, like, being moved out of the center of the ring, just, like... Fix your boobs. Fix your breasts. Fix your shirt. I'm really wondering if that's, like, no judgment here. Just like, you know, as someone who's a former stripper, it's like, okay, you know, my boobs out. Gene's like, we're on television. Put your fucking boobs away. That might have been it. That's going to cost us a lot of money if that shit shows up. (laughs) I mean, it was against the hard camera. Like, her back was to the hard camera. So, a titty may have popped. The crowd did not notice, though. And usually, and late 90s crowds, you'd hear that, way. Ugh. 
gross. I'm trying to think, it was just uncomfortable. If it did, if her shirt did slip a little, like it's uncomfortable. So this is not the end of the segment. This segment just keeps fucking going. This is the longest segment. Ric Flair then calls out DDP for later. Like, he just kind of randomly talks some trash. And then talks shit to Sting, who just comes out. (laughs) Comes out and punches Ric Flair in the face. Again, rightfully so. Flair then kind of requests Goldberg to come out. And this got so messy that I kind of lost track of what everyone's goals were. No idea. So now Goldberg is out in like business casual attire. I'm assuming he came from the same office that Dean Malenko. <laughs> they look at, like, in Dean Malenko attire. Yeah. And this somehow leads to a lame pull-apart brawl between Sting and Goldberg. Because, Which is, what? they start the pull-apart brawl. And then security just disappears, and then they have to go back to it. I just don't understand during this whole segment, this whole big segment where Ric Flair is just being Ric Flair and being a jerk, Goldberg and Sting come out and decide, you know what? No, we're not going to go against Flair. We're not going to beat him down. We're going to beat each other down. What? They have a match on Sunday? So? But yeah, it's not like they have a big history. There are bigger issues literally in the ring at that moment. And you guys go for each other? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Somehow in a group of five people plus Gene coming out to start the segment, we end up with a pull-apart brawl between two people who were not even remotely involved no. in the first 95% of this segment. That's what confused me so much. It just didn't make any sense. This was a goddamn mess. It was such a mess. And it fell apart at the end. If it could have fallen apart more. There's really no reason for Sting and Goldberg to fight at the pay-per-view. No. Finally out of that segment, though. Do you want to hear the uh, Cologne Top 10? Is now the time for it? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? All right. Top 10 list for the night was slogans for the new WCW Nitro Cologne. Number 10. Finally. (laughs) Number 9. Because when you're sitting on your ass all day watching wrestling, you got to smell your best. Number 8. This stuff can make you governor. That's a Jesse Ventura reference. The Pet Detective? Number seven, give a bottle to that Nancy boy son of yours. It couldn't hurt. (laughs) Number six, the perfect gift for, uh, it's really hard to say. (laughs) Number five, if you actually bought Michael Jordan's cologne, you might as well buy this. (laughs) Michael Jordan had cologne? Apparently. (laughs) God. Number four, the exciting scent of the lowest common denominator. Oh, that might be the best one of these, honestly. Oh. Number three, like a pile driver up your nose. <laughs> Number two, sometimes you just want to smell phony. Oh, okay. And the number one slogan for the new WCW Nitro Cologne, attract them white trash babes. Oh my god. Play me out. was it with the 90s and cologne i don't know i don't get it and then i think we overcorrected axe body spray and now everyone is just like all right let's just buy better soap okay but what axe body spray did you wear none of them oh we wouldn't have dated in middle school then i'm fine with that chocolate axe all day i wanted my boyfriend just drenched in chocolate axe let's, delicious. let's move on <laughs> tony and bobby bicker commentary then we go to commercial again backstage rick flair approaches stevie ray and offers him $100,000 to take out Kevin Nash. Yeah, take note of that. We then get the Nitro Girls, and then get a hardcore match between Hack and Bam Bam Bigelow. Hack comes out with a ladder and kendo stick in hand. 
And then grabs a table from ringside before he gets into the ring. He grabs two tables. Bam Bam Bigelow comes out with a laundry cart full of weapons and unloads most of them into the ring. So once again, it's going to be a messy, cluttered match. I also could have swore I heard announcer Dave Penzer announce Bam Bam Bigelow as the hardcore champion. You did. I think our microphones might be too good for this, but it's very much a... I think even then you were too loud. I don't know if that bit's going to play because our mics might be too good. <laughs> I also swear commentary mentions winner of this match is going to face Brian Nobbs, the pay-per-view. That I did not hear, but I think you're right. Well, later they just say that Bam Bam's going to face him, like, while the match is happening. It's so like, oh, wait. I don't know. This is a big trash brawl, and I'm losing my I'm losing my interest on, on these. You know who else is? Bam Bam. Yeah. This match in particular really highlighted... Bam Bam's just, I guess, apathy? I don't know, because there were a couple of moments in this match where he was doing, like, punch spots and kick spots on hack, and the punches looked really weak and didn't really do any kind of impact. The kicks were really weak, and he picks up two lids to a trash can and does kind of a, uh, like, a cymbal clap. I don't know what that's called, behind their head. And it's so clearly, is just so light. It's the lightest he could possibly do it. It's you can just kind of see throughout this match that Bam Bam does not care to be here anymore. Yeah, I wonder if he's just tired of doing this hardcore bullshit. Because like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if he does good punches or not because they're not going to get sold. No, they toss each other into weapons, and I think my actual issue with these matches, they don't really seem to do anything new or innovative with the weapons. It's just uh, I'll fuck these at you, then you fuck them back at me, yeah. and. It just looks sore and not worth the trouble. Particularly in that one spot toward the end where Bam Bam hits that ladder. Yeah, I don't know what the spot was supposed to be, but it just seemed to end with Bam Bam getting hit in the face with the edge of a ladder. Oh, it looked so sore. And like when he came off it, you could tell that he was in like real pain. Yeah, this match goes for all because they do a commercial break halfway through and I'm Mm -hmm. like, and I wonder if that was also part of why he was pissed. It's like, I got to go have, you know, a 10-minute match or whatever, and, like, two minutes of it aren't going to be seen. I'm going to be, you know, getting my fucking ass kicked with... For no reason. Yeah. Yeah. We did get the Surge cooler again. No Surge. This is the only showing of Surge this episode. Yeah, we did not get any actual bottles of Surge this week. Surge watch is on pause for this week. I mean, we're still watching for it. It's the, the, the watch is not on pause. Well, I was thinking the Surge watch was, does the bottle on the commentary table ever lower? Surge watch is, is a lifestyle. <laughs> Anyway, finish this match. We get a superplex through two tables from Bam Bam Bigelow. And by two tables, they're like side by side, not stacked vertically. So it's just everyone everyone gets a nice soft bump there. This causes Brian Nobbs to come out. Nobbs and Hack then beat down Bam Bam Bigelow until Hack hits Nobbs and they fight a bit. Nobbs gets the better of everybody and then buries Bam Bam Bigelow in weapons. And match ends in a no contest. Yep. Which I actually, I know it's a hardcore match. There should be a winner. But it was a sense of, all right, both these guys are out. Like, if we wait for a finish on this, we're going to have to wait fucking, like, five, ten minutes just for, for them one to gather themselves. Up, yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm fine with this. And then immediately Hack gets up and walks to the back. And I'm like, Yeah, you were more bothered it. by that. But this was... This was bo- yeah, this was boring. This was the most boring hardcore match I think we've watched thus far. There was nothing fun or unique about no. this one. They've got a formula at this point, and they're just cranking out that formula, and it's boring yeah it was very much the wwe 2k thing of 
okay, you know, you get three shots and the other person will like automatically counter the ground shot and then, and then they'll get the advantage and then they get three yeah. shots. And yeah, hopefully the pay-per-view match will be a little bit better. And I know eventually, I don't know what pay-per-view it is, but we will get this like hardcore invitational, like at like a junkyard kind of thing. I feel like you've told me about that match before. Yes, because they did it all in one take and a bunch of people got hurt. Yes. As opposed to like, oh, let's do this as, as like a pre-tape. It's like, yes. nope. Let's be the, let's do this, this the most unsafe way we can. So backstage, we get Stevie Ray talking to the B team and tells them that Ric Flair offered him $50,000 to take out Nash. Hmm? Okay, so we chatted about this while we were watching it. There is a different thing similar to this that people complain about in a similar way of the numbers changing because at some point in the past there was like a ban on the power bomb in kayfabe and how much the fine for doing it was varied throughout the night okay and that should have remained consistent people cite this as oh they can't even keep their numbers straight both of us read this as stevie ray wants to pocket an extra fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, he, yeah. He's like, oh yeah, no, we, like we'll split the fifty thousand. This seems very clear to me, and the fact that there was any kind of like confusion or trying to like twist this is strange. Yeah, they go to leave, I guess, to take out Nash. We never really see them actually kind of hunt Nash, so there's that Triple A. You know, the character from the Mental Ward. It was in the bathroom. He was just kind of hiding in one of the stalls, yeah. listening to the B team. Yep, and then we go from that to a Roddy Piper hype package. And then we get AAA talking to Kevin Nash and tells him about the bounty and mentions that it's $1 million. Because, you know, he's crazy. Well, yeah, again, that I don't really see as wrong because he's being billed as this mentally unstable character. And, you know, it's not right, but, like, they're playing it as he's an idiot. And, you know, yeah. the, the way that they portray these characters is so difficult to talk about because, like, it's so wrong and they, like... They're saying, oh, they're crazy. I'm like, you won't say that in 2021. This would never be a thing in 2021. This is so 1999. <laughs> it's just not even, like, written well. Either. No, it's really not. Much like much like a good amount of the show tonight. Also not booked well. Next up, we get Conan versus Horace Hogan. <laughs> Conan comes out to what might be a new theme. And he's also in a FUBU jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah, him and Ray just seem to be coordinating outfits. I know they will eventually, you know, get a group together, but I don't know when that happens. Hmm. This was another match where I spent more time looking up what one of the wrestlers does outside of wrestling than I really paid much attention to the match. We do get Conan's promo before the match, and I think in a Nick was right moment, (laughs) he calls them the black and white, not strawberries, because it is not the wolf pack who has the red. Yeah, I think think you were right there. I think that was a good call. Can you say that again? No. You know, for the edit, I just need you to say it again. I will never. Okay. Conan mentions he's facing Stevie Ray at the pay-per-view, and we get Horace coming out. And I don't know what it was about his look during this show, but I am now christening Horace Hogan as H-Train, because he looks like Albert. (laughs) Sorry, Lord Tensai. Please, call him by his legal name. That's not his legal name. (laughs) None of them are, but I will will say that Lord Tensai is the furthest from his legal name. But I like H-Train. It was very much like two sides of the same coin with them. And dare I say it, Horace Hogan is the sexier side. I was also going to say it's like, you know, in terms of like grading, it's like, oh, you know, A is good. And then you get H. (laughs) I also, this is where it really kind of kicked in that because there's a guy in the crowd and I've been seeing him all night. 
but he's in sting makeup. It just looks like the same makeup that Danhausen in Ring of Honor does. Yes. <laughs> you showed me a picture of him after you made that that connection. Yeah, 100%. Lovely guy. So this match goes and it's real slow. We get some boring chants about 45 minutes into it. 45 minutes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Conan hits his rolling clothesline and then a face buster. He goes to lock in the Tequila Sunrise, which prompts the B team to come out. <gasps> Interference? What? And then all of a sudden, Kevin Nash comes out to make the save. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you and Conan don't like each other. Remember when you kicked Conan out of the wolf pack and then Conan cut a promo talking about how you were with him when his like son died or something? Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God. I totally <laughs> forgot about that promo. Even though the wolf pack only went for like six months? Oh, my God. Don't turn your back on the wolf pack. <laughs> they try to clean house, but Nash needs some help clotheslining Brian Adams to the floor. It's like, oh, he like, he doesn't even get him, like, halfway. He gets him, like, 10%, and Conan's like, okay, buddy, I'll help you get his fucking legs over. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty sad. And I only, like, half paid attention to Conan's opening promo, but I thought he was like, you know, I hope you guys come out. Because it made it sound like he had backup, but he was surprised he? to see Nash. I didn't hear that bit of the promo. And then, end of the segment... Kevin Nash and Conan fist bump, and I guess that's that. Not the first time in the past couple weeks that Kevin Nash just come out, helped a fucking former rival, and we're just going to move on from that. Because uh. remember his Band of Brothers moment with Goldberg? Yeah. Apparently he got asked about that while doing like a uh, QVC thing. And he's like, I don't know. Like, stuff just changes around here. <laughs> you, you book this shit. This is you. No, no, no. Goldberg got asked. Oh, Goldberg got no. asked. I thought you said Nash got asked. No, no, no. no. Goldberg, like, Goldberg got asked. <laughs> to be fair, that would be funny. It's like, oh, I don't know, man. I wouldn't even put that past him. To be fair, if you ask him like now or at least like 10 years ago, it'll be like, I don't know, like Hogan booked that. And it's like, Hogan wasn't even around. Yeah, somehow... <laughs> Between every shoot interview with Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, and Eric Bischoff, the other two were always booking everything. Yeah. And then they booked nothing. Yeah. So somehow no one booked any of this. <laughs> As we're wrapping up, Tony then throws to the production truck and there's mental patients in there. They don't do anything with that. Yeah. It was just like, what the hell are you doing in here? Get out of here. And I think that's really okay. the worst bit of this there's not even a joke is what I'm saying. It's not even the butt of a joke. Fair. It's just like... I guess, yeah. They're being used for the setup for a joke that doesn't... That ha- never gets told. Th- there's no punchline in any of this. That's why I'm like weirdly like, okay, this isn't actually that bad. Because they're not actually making fun yeah, of them. Yeah, they're not making fun of them. They're not making a joke at all, which is the issue. I mean, their portrayal of mental patients is a little insulting. Oh, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. They're not like... The closest we have is... Know. Oh my God, he thinks fifty thousand dollars is a million dollars that's not even really a joke like yeah okay got him if anything there's a funnier moment in a segment they're in that is completely unrelated to them but we'll get to it but we then go backstage with rick flair and he's chatting with david flair and his girlfriend who later in the night will actually be called tori wilson for the first time finally and this is on screen this isn't like the thumbnails uh, on the network because we don't have the network anymore and he thanks David for like, look, I know, I know, like it was a tough decision, and like I get, like I'm better now. Like, thanks for giving me the clarity. 
And it's like, yeah, he's like actually thanking David for putting him in the hospital and just being like, you know, I'm proud of you, son. Like, yeah. that must have been hard. It's like, you know what? You, you want to wrestle on Nitro? I'm going to give you a match. And we're going to have Charles be, be the referee. Like, and it was oh. just like a beautiful father son moment for a second. Yeah, for a second. And he leaves. And Rick just looks at Arn Anderson. It's like, book him with Meng. It's like, oh my God, you're going to murder him. This segment got me so good. <laughs> because like i was so into oh it's so sweet they're having a father-son moment like it's weird for storyline but it's actually family so it's like nice like it's so lovely and then as davis the delivery of flair be like book with meng it was just so short and yeah his facial expression didn't change at all oh my god it's Mm, it's one of those weird english language things where i think if meng had had a multiple syllable name it wouldn't have been as snappy no but because it was just so instant it's like, and even Arn is like, are you, are you kidding? He's going to murder him. It's like, oh. It is so wonderful. And he turns to Charles Robinson. He's like, go find Meng and tell him David said he can't go anymore. It's like, tell him he's old. It's like, jeez. Oh, it was so good. It was just so well delivered and so like, so well written. Like that's the only time I think I've ever complimented the writing of this show. It was so perfect. It was great. So we'll get that match later. You got to go backstage, and a red SUV limo arrives with Roddy Piper inside. And Roddy Piper's like, you talking about my family? He's like, was he? When? when? Yeah, I don't remember this. Pardon? He, he's a bit unhinged here, which I feel the need to just briefly note. We're watching 2012 Raws, and we're at one where Roddy Piper shows up. And he gets out of the curtain and has the most crazy-eyed look that both of us just busted out laughing. Oh, my God. It really was a beautiful moment. I've never seen the whites of someone's eyes from so far away, like, so clearly. Just remember, Demaniac loves you. So he's, like, mumbling to himself, kind of going a bit, kind of going a bit crazy himself, honestly, it seems like. And he goes straight for Ric Flair's office, walking by David Flair in the hallway, and they just don't mention that shit. Never mind that shit. Here comes Mongo. Oh. Piper then attacks Flair surrounded by the mental patients and then like puts a Roddy Piper shirt over his head. Then, out of nowhere, just a random hand person comes in and is like, here, do you want like a Gatorade or a soda or something? And just has like what seems to be like a cardboard box (laughs) filled with water and ice. And like cans. Yeah, but like, like a small cardboard box. And Piper just dumps it on Flair. And it's just like, who is this random man being like, here. In the midst of a brawl, would you like a Gatorade? It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. <laughs> I'm like, what? who? I have no idea. And yeah, the the mental patients are just kind of around. They don't do anything Nothing. of note. And that's the segment. The end. Yeah. This will not be brought up later. We don't see Roddy Piper the rest of the night. Nope. I, I, Flair makes no mention of this. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I really, I, I don't have anything for you. I would almost say this got put in out of order if it literally wasn't for us seeing David Flair in the hallway. True, but it did kind of look like David Flair was happy in the hallway. Well, he was happy. He, he had his match. He, he's, oh, true, true, true. At this point, he has no idea. He didn't know it was Mang, yeah. After that, we get a WCW logo t-shirt ad. Woo. We stay backstage. Ric Flair runs into Scott Steiner and wants him to take out Kevin Nash. And Steiner's like, yeah, you know, I got business with Nash myself. Referring to, Steiner has mentioned in passing that he wants Nash's title shot. Okay. From there, we're going to go to a press conference with Lex Luger and Miss Elizabeth. 
which just has some artificial static over it, which really doesn't work because they cut too much during it. Yeah. Like, they're, like it'd be different if they were just overlaying static, but they're literally cutting. Too static s- and s- out of static and in static. It was just- I'm saying they're using the static as edit points to where it'll static for like a quarter of a second and they'll be in completely different poses. And it's like, and oh, like yeah. standing in different places. I'm like, that's not how that works, guys. No, it didn't make any sense. And then, of course, because there's quote unquote static, we go back to the ring and Tony's like, oh, sorry about the technical difficulties there. Also, I don't know where he was that there was no so idea. much static. We go back to backstage and Scott Snyder asked Rey Mysterio where Kevin Nash is. And you were like, how dare Ray? How dare you? So Scott Snyder comes up to Rey Mysterio and asks him, you know, where's Kevin Nash? Without missing a beat, Rey Mysterio goes, oh, he's right down there. Which I was like, you know what? Yeah, he, t- he took my mask. Fuck him. It was just not like Scott Snyder was so heated and like ready to fight. If I was Ray, I maybe would hesitate for a second. Nah. He's so, down there. So he goes into that room. Get him. And instead of Kevin Nash, Steiner finds Buff Bagwell and just beats the shit out Fucks of him. him up. <laughs> He's like, Ree Bull, I'm going to beat your ass. That was amazing. And now he just comes in and beats the shit out of Buff Bagwell. At least and that's the same. Never goes for Kevin Nash. No. Never finds Kevin Nash. <sighs> we go from that to a match I was salivating over the idea this- of could have been the match of the night this had all the potential to be the match of the night it is david flair versus meng nick even like stopped the show and was like i need to make myself a special drink for this one and he like goes and makes himself an old-fashioned cocktail and he comes back and we start the show and yeah yeah well stupidly they have meng come out first so you can't get the sight of david flair realizing oh shit i'm fucked here but even if they were going to do that David Flair coming down the ramp, seeing Meng in the ring, no reaction. Yeah. Nothing. I'm noticing it less and less, but David and, and Tori do the thing where they walk to like the edges of the ramp because it's still a weird tripping hazard. Mm-hmm. And this is where she's billed as being Tori Wilson. R.I.P. Samantha. Yeah. At, at one point, Tori begs Meng basically, like, don't kill him, please. Which is like a fair, fair beg. Meng hits a bunch of chops on David. He doesn't really do any fun or unique offense. Like, this isn't a hard-hitting match. It's a hard-grunting match. Yes. I know this isn't a thing for our show, but if we did grunt of the night, it would just be Meng through this entire match. He's not even grunting. He's just, like, zombie groaning. He's like, ah, ah. David finally tries to chop Meng, but, like, using Earthquake on a Dragonite, it, it has no effect. Yeah, this match just is not as brutal as I wanted it to be. I wanted to see that man be killed. <laughs> Meng gets the Tongan neck grip and pins David. The Tongan death grip really does look brutal. I think I said this the last time, but that does not look cozy. To which I note, not enough. Kill him. <laughs> Do it. So Ric Flair then comes out and taunts Tori as David is being stretchered out. <laughs> as they're stretching David out, <laughs> Ric Flair is like, send me away again. I fucking dare you. Come on. Oh, you want to send me away? Fuck. Do it again. <laughs> The thought I had behind this was this match is why until early 2021, Ric Flair was on television and wrestling because David Flair doesn't want to be the one to tell him to stop and send him to a nursing home. Yeah, He's scared. I, well, I, I, I was joking. He needs to wait until uh, Meng dies. Like, the second that Meng dies. It's like, okay, I, I, I'm now safe. 
We then get Ricky Rackman again. He plug in the Nitro Girls uh, sight kind of weird. Like, you can just stare at, you know, Spice all day long. Uh, and as someone who loves Spice, I'm like, all day? Yeah. Creepy. Kind of gross. Y'all have a job. You have school. You have something else to do with your day. We get the Gorgeous George training video again. I think we got it earlier in the night. We didn't notice. We did, yeah. Same thing. Nothing special. Then get Mean Gene in the ring interviewing DDP. DDP notes how he started as a manager, then became a commentator, then a wrestler, and then a champion. He's like, I think I'm the only one who's done that. It's like, I, I think you are. Yeah, I, he might be. <laughs> then DDP's like, you seen anybody defend the title as much as I fucking have? And Gene's like, I mean, y- yeah, you have been defending a lot. But you think literally every Nitro, he's defended the title. Yeah. Like, every week on TV, I think he's defended it. Which is which is wild. Like they don't do that on WWF TV. They don't usually do that with WCW, do they? No, they it just this is weird. They're trying really hard to get people to tune in. It's not working. If you keep filling the same thing every week, watch DDP. He might lose the title. Like it's boring. Yeah, especially when he just won the title, so people aren't like super anxious to see him lose it. Right. Also, he's being a heel, but he's not being so much of a heel that it's like, I want to watch him burn. Yeah, he notes that he's already hitting legend status and compares himself to Elway, Gretzky, and Jordan. Who's Elway? John Elway, uh, quarterback for the Denver Broncos at this time. Okay. One of handful of Super Bowls. Wayne Gretzky's basketball. No. Fuck. Michael Jordan's basketball. I thought Wayne Gretzky was basketball, too. No, he's the most famous hockey player who ever lived. God. And I'm leaving that in now. <laughs> I did find it interesting. He didn't know anybody for baseball. Who would you have set for baseball at this time? I guess McGuire. He broke the home run record the year before, but okay. he hadn't won a World Series. There kind of isn't somebody in baseball at this point who's currently playing who's won a bunch of World Series. Okay. The The Yankees are kind of through winning a bunch of them, but calling yourself Derek Jeter doesn't have the same vibe as calling yourself Michael Jordan. Yeah, I think I agree with that. DDP says he understands why Flair wants to be him and does the thing of like, I see a lot of myself in you kind of thing or, you know. I think in some instances that can be a compliment. It It's meant to be everyone's trying to emulate me kind of thing. Yes, but if if you're like, if your dad saw you growing up and was having a hard time and it's just like, I see a lot of myself in you. You're going to be okay. Like then it's like, wow, that was really nice and heartwarming. Thanks, dad. This is very much like, hey, you child. I was almost going to note, I'm like, well, you know, DDP is a lot younger, so that's, that's the insult. I'm like, he isn't actually that much younger. No, he really isn't. He looks a lot younger. He then tells Flair, basically like, you know, there's some quote, I forget who said it, but to be the man, you got to beat the man. <laughs> I thought that was going to go to the main event, but nope, he mm-hmm. leaves. We'll nope. see him in about 10 minutes. Yeah, because at this point we have like, what, half an hour left of the show? So it, that, that could have been a feed-in. That could have been it. It's not. Yeah, because we go from that to the Nitro Girls. And then it's like world title match, like coming up. And then we get Kurt Henning coming out. And I'm like, oh, what? Who is kind of returning to like no fanfare. Yeah, how many weeks has it been? It's been probably like a month, right? It's been a little while, yeah. I, I feel like it has at least. Maybe I'll have to look back on our notes because, yeah, it does feel like it's been a while. So it'll be him versus Booker T for the TV title. And I was like... Oh, this could be a really good match, but there's not a lot of time left. No, that was the problem. And I think you you called this pretty easily. Yeah, I think I called this pretty much on the nose. Like I said before the match even started, I was like, okay, it'll be a few minutes of fun wrestling. And then the same two people that keep interfering are going to come interfere. To be fair, Stevie Ray is really the one who keeps interfering, which on Thunder, 
there was story progression. Booker actually finally noticed that he was interfering. Okay, well, that's And then, good. yeah, and then recently Rick Steiner's like, they're kind of feuding. I think it was within the last two times they've done this match or something along these match lines. Uh, Rick Steiner has interfered. Well, Rick Steiner was in one of these matches recently. Mm. It was, I think it was last week where they actually d- did something with that. Neither here nor there. I was pretty much right on the nose. Henny gets the advantage twice and chalks it up on the scoreboard, which I was loving. They really <laughs> wanted it to be more of a thing in this match, but it just doesn't go long enough. It was really, it was literally like five minutes, and it was a really fun five minutes. Was it even? Was it even five minutes? It, might it felt not have like been. less. I wouldn't even say they got out of first gear here, and Stevie Ray comes out. Stevie Ray attacks Kurt Hennig, and then Rick Steiner comes out, and Steiner just attacks Booker. Like, he doesn't even bother going for Stevie Ray. It's like, nope, just fuck you, Booker. It's like, uh, okay, weird choice. And they kind of brawl. Rick Steiner's being a bit heelish, but I don't know how much to read into that. But we just like rush away from that to go to a commercial break. Before the main event. Is there already a match with these four planned for um, Slambury? Uh, no, it's it's literally, it's just Rick Steiner versus Booker T. But it would make sense for this story to come to a T at a pay-per-view with Booker T and Stevie Ray teaming up or going against each other. Yeah, instead it's, it's just going to be Booker and Rick. If this became like a handicap where it was Booker versus Rick and Stevie, like that would also make sense. Yeah, but Rick and Stevie aren't on the same page either. No, but they're on the same page of fuck Booker. Well, no, because Stevie Ray's kind of pro-Booker. I feel like you're realizing how convoluted and messy this storyline is <laughs> as you're kind of working through it in your brain going, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. None of this makes any sense. So I look forward to Stevie Ray's interference in, in the pay-per-view match. Yeah, it's going to be an interference for sure. Let's, uh, yeah, so we go to a commercial break there. And then we go backstage and two cops mumble about how they have to round up the inmates from the mental hospital, which I thought was telegraphing the finish of the main event. This doesn't come up again. No. So we both kind of like had predictions for how this was going to tie into the main event. I was almost mad about how obvious it (laughs) felt to me. (laughs) I thought that this was going to culminate in the officers trying to round up the patients the patients running out to the ring to interfere or like just jump in the ring and help Rick or something. And that's how the match would end. You thought that this would end in the cops coming out to the ring and trying to round up Rick Flair because he is still technically a patient. Yeah. Even though he got signed out by Arn Anderson. So that does kind of kill it. Yeah. But who's to say Arn didn't sign out everybody else? You're right. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a distraction finish with the cops. We were both wrong. Yes. None of that happened. The correct answer was nothing. None of the above. So we next up we have our main event. Ric Flair versus DDP for the WCW title. Ric Flair comes out and we get a possible Charlotte sighting in the crowd. Yeah, we think we saw Charlotte Flair. He like goes up to a young blonde woman. By young, it's like teenage. It's not. Yeah, she's yeah. like 13 maybe. Well, yeah, I'm, it's not like an 18 year old like, hey girl. It's no, like, no, 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 no. It's like a child. And he, like, kisses her on the hand, and it, it was a very sweet thing. I was like, that has to have been Charlotte. It might have been. And then from after his entrance, we get another commercial break. And I'm like, what the fuck? We love commercials in this show. Yeah. God. As they're noting that Charles Robinson is the referee, to which you laughed your ass off of, Bobby, do you see who that is? Who? It's like, Charles Robinson's the referee. Long pause. Good. <laughs> he, like, he timed it out so perfectly. The good comes in right as we're cutting to commercial so you just get long pause long pause good commercial 
it was it was beautiful. If you have an opportunity, go find them. So for the television crowd at home, this is going to be heel versus heel. So I imagine some people kind of tuned out of like, you know, I don't like either of these guys. Yeah, it was kind of hard to pick who to root for, but. I don't have a ton of notes for this match because I was kind of losing my will to live a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we get a big back body drop to Flair early on. You know, pretty pretty standard Ric Flair stuff from this match. Did you notice the um, road dog sign in the audience? No. There was a sign on like the hard camera that says, oh, you didn't know? You asked better call somebody. Dude, you're at the wrong show. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> When's Steve Austin coming out? <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was funny, but... They brawl on the outside and don't do much a note, although Flair does hit two blatant low blows out there. But again, it's Charles Robinson. Yeah. Let it go. I don't even know how much that matters anymore. We really haven't been calling a DQ in no, a while. No, they, they've worn me down. Yeah, I'm just, you know what, do whatever the hell you want. DDP works over Flair for the most part and tosses Flair into the corner for his turnbuckle spot, who tumbles to the outside. Flair goes up to the top rope for a reverse 450 splash, but gets caught and gets tossed off the top rope. For real this time. You're not fucking with me this time. I still am. Wait, no, he did a top rope move this time, though. Yeah, he didn't do a reverse 450. Also, I... that's that's not this one. God damn it. I literally have a note that says Rick did do a top rope move. Nick will not trick you this week. Spoilers. Damn it. I don't know what the name of the moves are. It's not a reverse 450. I don't know. Oh, sorry. I think there was like a 054 or something. What? Because it, it's a reverse. Shut up. That's what it's called. I don't believe you. So then DDP locks in a figure four to no reaction. The yeah, G- this audience is over it. I, I don't know if it's the, you know, the quality of the show getting to them, just them losing interest in Ric Flair. Them not taking DDP seriously, but the crowd just stops caring about this match. Yeah, they really they really die off. And kind of so do we, so. Flair gets to the ropes, and then DDP goes for it again, but Flair counters it before it gets locked in. And this is where I feel bad for DDP, because he is doing everything a heel should be doing, and the crowd just isn't buying it. And it's like, I, I, you know, I don't know what I would tell him in yeah. terms of like, oh, do this. It's like. I don't know what to tell you, man. You're doing everything right. It's just boring. DDP tosses Flair into the corner who lands on his turnbuckle spot and then climbs the top rope and actually hits a top rope axe handle on DDP. An axe handle. Okay. I knew he did something off the top rope. I knew it. I yeah. have a note. Nick won't trick you this time. Well, he did. He did get caught the first time, which is why I tricked you the first time. <laughs> But, yeah, I was amazed. I was like, they, that was bordering on best bit, just that, him actually hitting the move. <laughs> actually going to the top rope. It's, I forget how often he actually does hit it. I mean, it's not even remotely often, but it's always a fun, unique spot of, it's a cliche how much he gets caught doing it. Mm. So, him actually hitting the move, it's like, oh, fuck! The top rope axe handle prompts Randy Savage and Gorgeous George to come down to the ring. George distracts referee Charles Robinson, kind of brawls with him up the ramp, and Randy Savage tosses the non-brass knuckles weapon to so DDP. The weapon that Randy Savage throws, I can only describe it as like a weighted band, like a like a workout band. 
I have a, I have a phrase I want to coin for this weapon sure. because they do this shit all the time, and it's something you put like around your. Fucking... It's supposed to be brass knuckles esque, but it's not brass knuckles. I'm ca- I want to call this the brass knots. Cause okay, because it, it, it's not brass knuckles. Okay, the brass knots. The brass knot. He hits the brass knots, punches flare, and then these referee like Mickey J comes in to count the, the three, and that's it. DDP celebrates a bit, and we go off the air. We were both really expecting a lot more run-ins because it's the it's the go home. Like, yeah, it's like okay, you know, there's gonna be more more with Piper. You, we didn't get a Piper closure. We didn't really get Nash closure. We kind of did, but not like. You know, it's Kevin Nash. He's going to want one more moment in the spotlight. We didn't get, like, any last-minute sort of stuff. Yeah, like Steiner never found Nash. No. It was just strange. It it should have been a bigger moment, and it wasn't. Yeah, thoughts on the match? Boring. Yeah, crowd was just dead, and I think it it rubbed off onto the performers. Like, like this this really should have been both of our match of the night. I mean, nine times out of ten... The main event of a show is our match of the night. Unless it's like a cruiserweight for me. I don't know about nine times out of ten. Most of the time. I should be curious to go back and look at that. But <sighs> on that note, I mean, yeah, you you, you, you kind of heard us losing the world to live oh, here. Oh, God, yeah. Don't watch this show. There's nothing. There was no real angle advancement either. Like, we, No, there was no story progression. There was no really anything. Not, nothing that really got you like, oh, I got to watch Lambert. Yeah, it's not even that. But like, if you were doing the video packages... You could literally cut out this entire show and not lose any of the story. No. Yeah, and then DDP's going to face Kevin Nash on Sunday. Why? They didn't... Well, for the title, they didn't interact at all. No, they didn't. Then they won't interact on uh, That would have been a either. great reason to have Nash come in and interfere in that in the main event. And have didn't. him powerbomb DDP Something. afterwards. I don't know. Something. Oh, God. I'm feeling... I'm, I'm feeling similar as I felt after Super Brawl. Oh, no. <laughs> I, we haven't even watched the pay per view yet, man. Oh, well, I'm saying about this nitro. I mean, are, I know. Are, how, right. how are you feeling about Slambury? Not excited. And we're probably gonna watch it like tomorrow night. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I'm really worried. I think this is gonna be a shit show, this and is this is gonna true. be a, a shit show of a shit show. <laughs> yes. Best bit and MVP. Emily, who you got for best bit? Best bit, I'm giving to the um, the Ric Flair David Flair segment. Mostly just the delivery of booking with Meg. Okay, I was, I was debating even to that. I think our discussion almost made, made me lean it a little bit more. I'm giving mine to Scott Steiner finding Buff Bagwell and just beating the dog shit out of him. <laughs> and just, well, beat your ass Sunday, boy. <laughs> Great. It was just so sudden. Of he sees Buff Bagwell and just goes into instant kill mode. <laughs> he goes into he just instinctual murder. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. That was a good one. Who's your uh, MVP over there, Nick? I'm giving mine to GDP because of what we were saying a couple minutes ago of he did everything you're supposed to do as a heel. And it I blame it on the crowd that it, it had no effect. His promo yeah. was fine. I mean, no one else really stood out during this show at all. So we were talking about how Match of the Night was the Armstrongs and Kidman and Ray, but... No one in there really did anything super interesting that kind of warranted that. And yeah, so I'm gonna probably agree with you with the with DDP being the MVP. Yeah. Any any honorable mentions? I mean, the Armstrongs. The Armstrongs continue to impress me. I will definitely give them a uh, quick. What are their first names? Steve and. What I think is you name you name the one that I always forget the name of. Brian. 
Stephen Bryan? Scott. Stephen Scott. There are too many Scots. We can't have another Scott. No. No more Scots. No more Scots. So yeah, we got a handful of matches for the pay-per-view. We got Bam Bam and Brian Nobbs, Sting and Goldberg, Nash and DDP, Conan and Stevie Ray, Flair and Piper for control of the company. Like, wow, that that's a major deal that doesn't feel like it. No. That doesn't feel like it. No. What? Well. Again, storylines that should have been wrapped up or at least like built up at the end of the show. No, fuck them. So that's going to do it for this episode. Next up, we got Slamboree 1999. Come on, Ed Slam. And welcome to the Slam. After that, we got an ECW pay-per-view. Yeah. And then we have the May 17th Monday Nitro because there is no May 10th one. Wasn't even like, oh, we'll put it on Tuesday. It's like, fuck it. We're not doing one. Like, yeah. Okay. That's not weird. even worth it. Yeah. Like when Raw gets preempted, it's... We're going to air this later in the night. Yeah. When Nitro gets preempted, it's, okay, well, fuck this week, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we, we will not be doing NBA playoffs reviews. <laughs> God, can you imagine? <laughs> so until next time, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod. You can also give us a like on Facebook, Butts in the Seats Podcast. We have added to where we are podcast-wise. We're on Spotify Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and Stitcher. We're on Stitcher. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, you know, find your favorite service, listen there. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you enjoyed this episode more than we enjoyed watching the Nitro. <laughs> yeah. Hope we made it a little bit more palatable for you. That's our real goal here, just to make WCW a little palatable. Let's get out of here. Yeah, I'm done. I'm Let's ready to go. Just make another espresso drink with my fun new toy. Let's blow this popsicle stand. Until next time, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thank you so much for listening to this terrible nitro, <laughs> but hopefully a decent episode of the Butts of the Seats podcast. Bye.